Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the app, use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. All right, y'all, it is late night, Wednesday night. It has been a couple of days since we've had a new episode, uh, so we've got a lot to go over today. going to do a little intro just on the initial college football playoff rankings, talk about what we like about them, uh, what I dislike about them, and then we're going to preview the San Jose State game, a big you know, big one coming up for the Rams on Saturday. Really tough opponent, not going to lie. Before we get into everything, NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet. Get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out, though. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. Payouts bigger than ever. DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Nuggets back in action tomorrow night after a couple of nights off. Probably needed it after the way they blew that one against the Lakers over the weekend. Really hate losing to them. You can bet on our guy David Roddy, who's getting a lot of run early on with the Memphis Grizzlies. Probably getting more playing time than you know most of us even expected at this stage of the season, so that's awesome. Whatever you bet on, make sure you do it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, use the promo code DNVR, make any $5 bet this week, get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the promo code DNVR, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, y'all. Like I said, we are going to start here with just some thoughts on the college football playoff rankings. The initial ones of the season came out yesterday. I did just briefly want to give a couple of thoughts on some Halloween candy. I know we're a couple of days removed, but it's that week where, you know, everybody eats all the leftover candy didn't pass out or your kid's candy that they got trick-or-treating. So it's still somewhat relevant. And uh, I was, you know, getting my furnace work done the night of, so I didn't get an opportunity to. Just real quick, I'm not going to make this like a whole big thing. I want to give you the best, the most underrated, the most overrated, and the worst. Now, before we get into this, I should, you know, let you guys know my preferences. I'm big into chocolate, not like a a huge, you know, gummy candy type guy or, or anything like that. Got a soft spot for hot tamales and, you know, I, I could pound some some Sour Patch Kids. But overall, I'm, I'm mostly a chocolate guy, so that is going to come through in these rankings. Just keep that in mind. All right, let's just start with the worst. Let's get the worst out of the way. Starting with good and plenty, nasty. Absolutely awful. If you gave me that as a kid, I was borderline, you know, considering egging you. Just kidding. Uh, I hate black licorice, though. So 
I'm just out on it. Like black licorice is gross in general and good and plenty is like a worse version of black licorice. I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. I cannot stand it. Definitely my least favorite candy overall. Second, going with Twizzlers. I, I can eat them. Um, I'm more of a red vine guy if you're going to go licorice. But the reason that it makes this list is is not because I hate it with a, a passion like I do good and plenty. It's just never what I wanted in my trick-or-treating bag. It, it gets really stale really quickly. And if you're not having fresh licorice, why even bother? And for some reason, it, it seems like Twizzlers is, is more popular than Red Vine. So I threw it on there because I'm a Red Vine guy. Again, not big on licorice, but I, I would always be slightly bummed when I would get Twizzlers in the trick-or-treating bag. Finally, we're going with Smarties. Again, they're fine. Like They make you think of the first grade, but they get all crushed up and you know another candy that if they're stale, they're nasty. And there's just like not anything to them. Like I feel like at that point you might as well just eat a, a packet of sugar because that's all they are. So worst three Halloween candies. We got good and plenty, Twizzlers, and Smarties. Now we're gonna go to the most overrated. This doesn't mean that I wouldn't eat them. This doesn't mean that I don't like them. This just means that sometimes they're a little bit too hyped. Starting with Skittles, they're fine. I guess they're another one you have to get fresh. I mean, I guess you could make that argument for any candy. I just, I don't know. I, I could always take them or leave them. I've never been like, oh, I need Skittles. Never really understood why they were so popular. Second, we're going with the Milky Way. It's a good chocolate bar. I like the bite size, but I would never get the, the full size Milky Way. And just of all the candy bars that have the same ingredients, you know, nougat and caramel and whatnot, I just feel like it's the worst of them. You taste the nougat way more. Maybe that's what it is. I think I like Snickers better because you taste the, the caramel and peanut you know, more than the nougat, and it's more of an accent, whereas in the Milky Way, it's kind of the the featured uh, star of the show or whatever, uh, but I'm not big on them. Third, we're going Tootsie Rolls. Kind of a classic Halloween candy, makes me think of elementary school Halloween parties. I like the fruit-flavored ones. The reason they make the list, though, is by the time you get them on Halloween, they are hard as a rock. And of all the chocolates, the popular chocolates that you would normally get on Halloween, I feel like that is just the meh, like it's not, you're not disappointed, but you're definitely not excited. And I feel like older people go crazy for them. So most overrated candies, we've got Skittles, Milky Way, and Tootsie Rolls. Most underrated, uh, we're starting with the Heath bar. The Heath is a classic. I don't understand why it's not bigger. The toffee, so good. The milk chocolate just melts in your mouth. You know, maybe a little bit hard on the teeth, but you can live with it. Second, we're going Almond Joy. I don't love them. Again, I, it's not like my favorite candy bar, bar or anything like that, but people act like they are just absolutely disgusting. I, I don't mind coconut. They're fine. And the reason they make the underrated list is they had really good trade value. If you liked them, you could give away any crap in your bag to get them because most people didn't want them. You know, here, take my box of hard dots, another candy that should have made the worst, you know, just just snuck in there, just missed the cut. And, you know, here's two Almond Joys, the... The return value was always excellent, and they're better than mounds. So underrated, I'm, I'm putting the Almond Joy on there. Finally, we're going with Whoppers on third. Again, I don't like love them. I'm not like a big malted milk ball guy, but they're kind of like the Kirk Cousins of candy. Like it's it's just fine. You know, it'll get the job done. It's sweet. I, I mean, I, I like it. Um, it's better than a lot of candies out there, but certainly there are better options out there too. But I just felt like these kind of got unnecessarily hated. Anyways, let's wrap it up here. Uh, moving on. The top three. This is my opinion. You know, it's my podcast. You disagree. I don't care. Uh, the best Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. It's a classic. Tough to beat. 
I almost didn't even include it because it's just not even on the same level as every other candy, but you got to include it. It's, it's going to win every holiday. Number two, I love M&Ms in general, but peanut M&Ms cannot go wrong. If I ate them one at a time, you know, it, it lasted a little bit longer than some of the other candies. So there, there's a lot of factors you got to consider here. Finally, third, uh, this one might be a little bit controversial. Mr. Goodbar. It is such an underrated. This one could be the most underrated and on the best. That's how much I love it. Milk chocolate, peanuts. It's simple. It's just the perfect combo. And it's another candy that's got great return value. It's slept on. You know, you can give away crap and get a Mr. Good Bar back. I'm not even going to lie. I eat Mr. Good Bars throughout the year. That's how much I love them. I, I think it's genuinely one of the more underrated candy bars out there. But my top three, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, Peanut M&M's, and the Mr. Good Bar. And by the way, before you clown me on, on some of those choices, I don't know if you saw it, but Andy Reid did an interview and he got asked what his favorite Halloween candy was. And that's what he said. You know, the Mr. Good Bar always seems to call my name. And I say this with the utmost respect. You know, I'm not fat shaming or anything like that. He's obviously a bigger guy. But that, that's a man that knows his, his way around snacks. You know, that, that's a guy who is an expert on, on snacking and, and what is good. I too consider myself a snack expert, eat way too much crap, but I get the Andy Reid stamp of approval. That carries some weight, just saying something. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about the rankings you guys actually care about, the college football playoff rankings. The committee released the initial top 25 on Tuesday, so uh, just going through it really quick. Tennessee comes in at one, Ohio State two, Georgia three, Clemson four, Michigan five, Bama six, TCU seven, Oregon eight, USC nine, LSU 10, Ole Miss 11, UCLA 12, K-State 13, Utah 14, Penn State 15, and then Illinois is at 16. We're not going to go through all of them. Um, It seems a bit much. The only G5 teams represented are Tulane at 19 and UCF at 25. So not looking like the Mountain West is going to have a great opportunity to get into New Year's Six Bowl this year. Probably would need some chaos. But just my my initial thoughts here on the first rankings of the year. And obviously, we've got plenty of time to sort this all out. You know, ultimately, it doesn't matter a ton. But, you know, we're at the last month of the regular season here. So this is kind of where, you know, everybody, the uh, the elite separates themselves from the, the rest of the pack. Uh, Tennessee deserves to be number one. I, I don't know why they weren't in the AP poll. Five ranked wins. They have style points. They appear to have the best offense in the country. I mean, they, they've got the narrative. They've, they've just got everything going their way. And at this point, you know, their resume is, is by far the most impressive in college football. The team that has the, the most reason to be upset, in my opinion, is TCU, who comes in at seven in the initial rankings. They're eight no. They have four ranked wins. They have four true road wins. I mean, just for comparison's sake, Michigan, who comes in ahead of them, also undefeated, has one ranked win. Ohio State has two technically, but one of them was Notre Dame in week one, and so that doesn't you know really count. Georgia only has one ranked win, and they've only got one more ranked opponent on the schedule. It's Tennessee on Saturday. If Georgia loses to Tennessee, I don't know if they're going to have enough juice to get in as non-SEC champions with one loss, especially if Bama ends up getting an SEC championship game and then getting a a win, you know, over Tennessee and evening that. But in my opinion, these first rankings, 
it, it was all about brand recognition. Like they did give Tennessee the nod that they deserved. And at this point, you know, they've been in the national spotlight, which helps their case. But in my opinion, Clemson and Georgia, even Michigan and Ohio state to an extent are getting the benefit of the doubt because they've been there before they've done it before. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve to be, you know, in this playoff conversation, but to me, based on, if it's just based purely on resumes as of right now, and again, this could change over the next couple of weeks because Ohio State and you know Michigan still have to play each other. There's some big games in the SEC and Big Ten that'll you know help influence all this. But I mean, TCU has every right to be pissed right now because if any of those other schools that I just mentioned had the exact same resume as TCU, they would be number two. They'd be number two in the playoff rankings, just behind Tennessee. And they're just, they're going to have no room to slip up here. They got four games left. Two of them are, are road games. Really deceptively, kind of a tough schedule down the stretch. They, they got Texas Tech at home this week, then at Texas, at Baylor. That's a tough stretch, finishing it against Iowa State. Just looking at what's ahead of them right now without, you know, a couple of significant losses, I think it's going to be hard for them to get into the field. And I just, I don't know. I feel like they're getting screwed right now, especially when you look at, yeah, the lack of quality wins from, from some of these other teams ahead of them. In my opinion, and again, this is this is just my opinion, it should be Tennessee 1, TCU 2, Ohio State 3, Georgia 4, Michigan 5, because they are undefeated, even though their schedule is not that impressive, Alabama 6, Clemson 7, Oregon 8. I would go Kansas State 9, especially after their impressive win against Oklahoma State. And I think you could even argue they should be eight ahead of Oregon, but I've got them at nine. USC 10, Utah 11, Ole Miss 12. That would be my top 12 right now. And I get, you know, it's an imperfect process. And part of this, I think, you know, part of the evaluation or part of what you're factoring into it is like, you know, who do you think would win between these games if they played? And I I do think that factors into it for some of these guys on the committee. But just based on what we've seen so far, in my opinion, Tennessee and TCU have been the most impressive teams uh, from a resume standpoint. They've also been two of the most fun teams to watch just from a stylistic standpoint, like really high, uh, high-powered, high explosive offenses. They're balanced. I mean, shit, I'd way rather watch the Horn Frogs than what Clemson has been rolling out offensively for the last two years now. But that's my two cents. We're going to move on. We're going to get into the San Jose State preview here. We're going to play you some audio from Jay Norvell. But I do want to tell you guys about GameTime, the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could afford, 50-yard line maybe courtside behind home plate, it's possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you never thought you could buy. You're not going to find a better deal this season on Rams tickets, Nuggets tickets, you name it. The new one with GameTime was created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app. Score all the best seats to all your favorite events. You know, I think we have four games left. Um, this is the third game in the third quarter, and it's a really important game. We're going to play San Jose this week. Um, really a good-looking football team. Um, they have some really talented players offensively. Shevin uh, Cordero is doing a great job for them, really doing a good job of protecting the football, and they've really kind of ridden him in the passing game. 
a really good player that was in Hawaii and now transferred to San Jose, played against him several times over the years. Number 32, uh, Kyrie Robinson is a real physical uh, back, one cut runner. Um, and then Elijah Cooks, a couple couple of their receivers, they actually have three of our, our former receivers at Nevada, are really good players. And Elijah Cooks lead the league in receiving, really quality player, veteran player, got, got great size and really good hands. And he's having an excellent year. And, and so they really try to go through the passing game uh, and we have to do a good job of controlling them. You know, defensively, it looks like the same defense we've been playing the last few years. And um, two of the better defensive linemen that we will play all year, um, uh, Biliami uh, Fajoko, number 42, uh, excellent defensive end, Caden Hall, number 92. Those guys have been playing together. Seems like forever uh, we've been playing against these guys. But really quality defensive linemen um, do a great job in pass rush, and, and we're going to have a big challenge with our offensive line this week with those guys. And number seven, Kenyon Reed, is a really good secondary player for them as well. And it's a good football team. It's well coached. Um, you know they've done a great job with uh, their turnover ratio, so turnovers will really be important. That we do a good job taking care of turnovers. Um, and it's going to be a physical, competitive game. It, it always is when we play these guys. Um, you know, I've been in this league six years, and every year that we play them, it's a competitive game. So we're really looking forward to the challenge. Right, Norvell mentioned some of the talented players on this team. We'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But San Jose State, 5-2 and two coming in, 3-1 and one conference record. And they have one of the truly elite front sevens in college football. This is actually a very similar matchup stylistically for CSU as it was going up against Boise State. You're playing an athletic, experienced defense and an offense that's led by a dual-threat quarterback, a strong running game, and uh, is very explosive. You know, I, I still think Jake Hayner is probably the best dual-threat when he's healthy, Taylor Green may be giving him a run for his money, you know, down the stretch here. What a what a phenomenal performance he had for Boise State last weekend. But as of right now, based on what we've seen this season, and again, you have to factor in Hayner's injury into this equation, but Chevin Cordero has been the best dual threat quarterback in the league. He's absolutely lethal as a runner, particularly in the red zone. Him and Kyrie Robinson, their their running back, have combined for 14 rushing touchdowns on the year. They give you a lot of read option looks. He's incredibly slippery. He's great at throwing on the run. He's just got this escapability to him that makes him a lot of fun to watch. The thing that's really been different for Cordero this year compared to other years was, while, while he's always had that elusiveness and the ability to extend the play and make something out of nothing, he, he used to throw a lot of dumb balls if you got in his face. I mean, he had 17 interceptions between 2020 and, and 2021. Nine touchdown passes, only one interception so far this year. He's really making good decisions with the football, and that's been a big factor you know, for San Jose State's success this year is just the fact that they're plus nine in the turnover margin. They've only turned the ball over three times all season. From CSU's perspective, if you want to you know, keep this offense contained, you have to be able to stop the run. I mean, the last two weeks, Fresno State and then Nevada actually gave San Jose State a hell of a run for their money down the stretch last week. 
they were able to really stop the Spartans from running the ball effectively. Now, Cordero just ended up making way more plays through the, the passing game and, you know, going for 302 yards through the air at Fresno State than 340 through the air against Nevada on 45 attempts. But that's not really the goal of this offense. I mean, when you look at their rushing attempts, they're getting close to 30, you know, sometimes 30 plus every single game. But after, you know, going for 5.6 yards per carry against Western Michigan, 3.6 at Wyoming, which is pretty impressive considering that front seven. 5.6 against UNLV. They only rushed the ball for 1.4 yards per carry against Fresno in a 17-10 loss. And then last week, 0.9 yards per carry, 29 attempts for only 25 yards. They did have three rushing touchdowns, but it was definitely a struggle. At receiver, San Jose State led by Elijah Cooks and Justin Lockhart. Both guys actually played for Jay Norvell at Nevada last year. They went out to the Bay, though, and they're really putting up impressive numbers. Elijah Cooks, one of the best receivers in the Mountain West so far this season, 37 catches for 621 yards, 16.8 yards per catch and three touchdowns. Lockhart has 23 grabs for 389, no touchdowns, but averaging close to 17 yards a catch. Basically, the Rams have to do what they were unable to do against Boise State, and that's just not let San Jose State you know, eat up yardage down the field with chunk plays, you know, explosive plays through the passing offense to get them down the field and then lean on their running game in the red zone and, you know, power their way in for points. It's simple. I've made these points repeatedly throughout the year, but it really is so big for this defense. Like if you can consistently make them drive the length of the field and have to execute play after play, you know, get first down after first down, eventually they're going to slip up. And, you know, then just red zone defense has to be way better than what we saw against Boise State. Seven trips for seven touchdowns. You know, I, I know that they were in a tough spot. They were on the field all night long, so I'm not trying to rip them or anything like that. But, you know, you, you've got to give yourself an opportunity there and just try and limit the damage as best as possible. What really scares you about this matchup, though, you know, even more so than the talent and experience that San Jose State has offensively. And they did a great job of, you know, adding some key guys in the portal but they just have one of the most experienced defenses in the country. And this front seven is just so stacked, you know, starting with linebacker Kyle Harmon. He has 57 total tackles right now. Uh, two for loss, one sack, a couple of pass deflections. Really versatile athlete. He's a stud in pass coverage. He can get after the quarterback. You know, he, he always fills the right gaps. He's a sure tackler. Just a really productive football player has been a stud in this league for quite some time. Going back to 2018, he's played in 47 games, 398 total tackles, had 134 last season. So he's just a guy that can, you know, really stuff the stat sheet. And as I said, you've got to look out for him in coverage. He's really great at lurking. You know, kind of reminds me of uh, Logan Wilson, you know, Chad Muma a little bit with Wyoming. Just always kind of seems to be in the right place at the right time. And, you know, what's crazy is as good as he is, you know, I think the stars are probably you know, on the edge with Cade Hall and, and Junior Fahoko, who have combined for 11 and a half sacks and 22 tackles for a loss. These guys can absolutely eat your lunch. They will disrupt your entire game plan. And coming off of a game in which the Rams got absolutely worked in the trenches, you know, kind of discouraging going into this one. You really hope that, you know, you get George Mickey Hahn back. And I brought this up a couple of times, not because I'm trying to take shots at Keegan Hamilton. I mean, being a redshirt freshman walk-on, playing significant snaps for this team, that's that's big-time stuff. And that's, you know, really admirable to be able to come in and handle the pressure of that moment. I mean, he hasn't, you know, 
had a bunch of bad snaps or anything like that. It hasn't been great, you know, in, in terms of pass protection or getting off the line of scrimmage, but you know, he shouldn't even be out there at this stage of the year. It's just injury after injury has put this team in such a tough spot. Going up against an interior like this, though, you definitely would like to have your best possible offensive line combination. Regardless of who's out there, you know, in the trenches, in the backfield, they've got to do a better job of staying out of third and long. And, you know, a lot of that is being able to go forward on first and second down, getting the run game going like they were able to in those first couple of Mountain West games. You know, hopefully Avery Morrow is, you know, healthy enough to be his productive usual self. But man, this would be a great time for this passing game, you know, to to really come to life, to see these receivers, you know, make some some guys miss in the open field, just create some plays. If you're, you know, in third and 10, you know, all night, though, against this defense with the pass rush that they have, with the experience that they have, not just in the front seven, but their secondary is solid, too. It's going to be a long night. I will say as, as talented as San Jose State is, they have shown a tendency to at times kind of play down to their competition. So, you know, maybe the Rams can can catch them overlooking them or, or something like that. You know, maybe pop them in the mouth. But this is a really good team. You know, I, I said preseason that they're going to be one of the best teams in the Mountain West. I was kind of sweating about that take after the Portland State game, but they've really, really rounded out a solid season here. They've had some some difficult circumstances away from the football field recently had a, a player tragically killed um, and just horrible, horrible, you know, you feel for them, but this team has a lot of guys that have played together now for multiple seasons, especially on the defensive side. They did a great job of adding what they needed to, you know, spark the offense in, in the off season. They're as good as a team that CSU will face in the mountain West this year. So it's, it's a big test for this young Rams team. I've been so impressed with their heart, with you know how hard they fought, considering all the circumstances that they've been through this year. Maybe they can, you know, put together an inspiring effort and you know pull one out on the road and give themselves some confidence going into you know the rivalry matchups and you know the local games against Wyoming Air Force and New Mexico. Technically speaking, a win keeps the hope of reaching the postseason alive at two and six. It's unlikely. We have seen it happen before, though. That's where you really look at, you know, the Utah State game, the Middle Tennessee game as the ones that got away. But you, you have a shot. I mean, if you can get a win, if not, you know, it's really only about the future at that point. But I just want to see the Rams respond with some competitive football. It's been a challenging year. They've been through a lot. They don't have a ton of depth. They're getting dinged up. The guys that have remained committed have really busted their tail, though. And, you know, I, I published a feature on Henry Blackburn and, and Jack Howell and just kind of the the attitude that they bring to the the defense. But I mean, it's also just about commitment and buy-in and the effort that you see those guys play with no matter what, you know, no matter what the score is, they are trying to make plays. Would love to see them, you know, rewarded with some wins here down the stretch. You know, obviously rivalry wins go a long way inside the locker room, inside the community. You know, if you could upset a really talented team like San Jose State going into those matchups, I think it would just be huge for, for what it could do from a confidence standpoint. But We'll have to see. I mean, clearly they're going to have to play much better than they did against Boise State because that was about as one-sided as it gets. And granted, it was just bad vibes from the start with the drop on third down going three and out. But need a, need a much stronger performance. Shouldn't be a super hostile atmosphere or anything like that. San Jose State football, despite being more successful the, the last couple of years, you know, obviously it, it's just not a school that's super into athletics. We'll see. Uh, locally, you'll be able to watch the game on the Mountain West Network. Unfortunately, didn't get picked up. It is on TV. 
in uh, San Jose State on like the NBC Bay Area, but we'll be streaming for everyone else. Don't know if we're just going to get uh, a simulcast of the San Jose State broadcast or if it'll be like the CSU radio guys or what. That'll be kind of interesting to see how that works out. But big test for this young Rams team and really this this next month and how they finish. I think it's going to show us a lot about some of these young guys and, and what they can do. And that's exciting. You know, I, I really do believe that we have the right guy in charge for the first time in a long time, but it's going to take a while to, to establish this foundation, you know, getting a road win against one of the teams that one of the top teams in the Mountain West be big and, and helping just move things along. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see how this Rams team responds. It's a fun weekend in general, a lot of really exciting college football games, Tennessee, Georgia, Bama, LSU should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, This is all I've got for you today. Shout out to everyone for supporting my content. Much love. Peace. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly like non